<laughs> okay, guys, we're picking up at the uh, the, the very top of Tadzanim about the Gemara stars. Remember, the Mishnah was about the the many machlokot seemingly between the Nesim and the Av of the Av Beitins about the issue of smicha, kind of leaning on the animal for these korbanot that uh, are performed on Yom Tov. Okay, so this is actually when we go back to sort of a pretty relatively straightforward Gemara. Uh, you'll see the first half of the Amun has to do with this particular machloke, and then we'll get uh, more, more in like the, the personalities involved. And the second half of the Amun will get into the machloke itself, which will take us to a new mission. Okay, the Gemara says as follows: Tana Rabban, the quotes of Brayta, really a Tosef, as follows: Shlosha mizugo tarishonim sheamru shaloli smoch, ushnayim mizugo tarachronim sheamru li smoch. If you look at the Mishnah, there are basically, if I'm not mistaken, five different pairs. And what Rabbi Meir says is, in terms of identifying who they were, the three first ones who said, the, the person who says, Shaloli Smoch, okay, and two of the one who's, uh, who, of the, uh, the last one, Shaloli Smoch, were in the Siyim, and uh, the secondary ones were the Avo Beitim, meaning that. The first three, the order was Nasi Abeti, Nasi Abeti, Nasi Abeti, and then it gets flipped. They said, no, the middle machloket, which is between Yehuda ben Tabai and Shem Bajadach, so even though uh, Yehuda ben Tabai is mentioned first, the Chachamim say that he, in fact, was the Avbeitin and Shem Bajadach was the uh, Nasi. Okay, so those are the two top positions in the Sanhedrin, just a little machloket about who's who. So the Gemara says, it's interesting how we don't really have a full total record of that, it's not totally clear, you know, sometimes. We lose, uh, we, lose, uh, we lose track. Okay, then the Gemara says as follows. Um, sorry, Justin, place again. Mm-hmm. Okay. So who then was the author of the following teaching in the Brayta? It's actually found in the Masech Makot also, if you learn Masech Makot, if you will learn Masech Makot. Amr Abidu Ben Tabai. Abidu Ben Tabai says, a very famous uh, case here, the basic premise is the issue of Aden Zomimim. Aden Zomimim are witnesses who testify that somebody did something, let's say that, that Reuben killed Shimon, and they are found to be not only false witnesses, but witnesses who couldn't have been where they claimed to be at that time. So there's a second group of witnesses who come and says, you guys couldn't have been there because you were with us at that exact moment somewhere else, and therefore the punishment is, we do to them exactly what they tried to have done to the other person. There's a famous machloke between the uh, the Chachamim and the Tzedukim. The Tzedukim felt that you only get punished in the case of Edom Zobamim when they actually carried out the sentence on this victim. Okay, we said Reuben killed Shimon, and he hadn't, but they actually carried out the sentence, killed Reuben, come along the way, the witnesses say, whoa, 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 you guys, that was terrible what you did because you weren't even able to be there, you, you can't be valid witnesses, and in that circumstance, that's when we would kill the Edom Zomim. That's the Tzedukim, the Sadducees, right, who were like anti the Arachachamim, but the Purushim, right, the Pharisees, Arachachamim, they said, no, it's only once there was a verdict, only once there was a verdict, but if they hadn't been carried out. As it says, Kasher Zamam Lasot, where you had the intention to do, you plotted to do it, but you didn't actually do it. That's a very important machloket between the Chachamim and the Tzedukim. So you see how it plays out here. It says, who taught the following teaching? Amar Rabbi Ben Tobai. Rabbi Ben Tobai said, Er Eben Echama. Er Eben Echama means I will seek comfort, meaning it's a way of saying a vow. I take an oath. Imlo Haragdi Eidzomen. If I didn't kill an Eidzomen, I mean, I took, I took the bull by the horn, so to speak, and I killed an Eidzomen. Tzedukim to remove the idea from the heart of the Sadducees that they used to say you don't kill the Edom Zomim until you actually put to death the 
victim, the, the one who's uh, subject to that uh, in the court case. Uh, but, uh, but I wanted to show they were wrong, so I, I, I acted on this halacha and I killed the the eight zomim, even though he had only uh, we only reached the per- point of the verdict and not the point of the actual uh, capital punishment. Said to I'll be speak confident. My eyes, I'll take it out. If you didn't spill innocent blood, I mean you did the wrong thing. There's another detail you have been to that you missed. It's true that we will kill them when they only get to the point of the verdict and not when you actually carry out the death sentence. But you also have to have both. People be considered to be zomim. Both witnesses have to be zomim, and you did it in the case apparently when there was only one witness. The ein lokim Furthermore, you don't give lashes to the zomim until both of them become zomim. The ein meshal mimamon They won't pay money in my third case until they're both zomim. So you messed up. It's very severe consequences. So miyad kibel alav yuben tabai she'ena moreh halacha elav yifnei shivim b'shatach. So uh, immediately Yudben Tabai accepted by himself that he would not paskin Shailas unless uh, he was in the presence of Shem Meshatach because he realized that he was a subordinate to him and he needs him to sort of uh, help him a lot. Okay, now, the Brighton continues. That, that's the important part for our purposes, but the Brighton just tells an interesting story, so we'll do that too. It says, So his whole life, Yudben Tabai used to go to the grave of this guy who got killed because of him wrongly, and he used to like prostrate himself on the grave. And quote unquote, his voice was heard. So the, so the Brighton says, haruku. So the people thought to say that what the voice they were hearing was the voice of the victim, the murder that the, the you know the inappropriately killed victim. Amar lahem, you have been to said to them, no, 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 kolihu. You know, it's my voice. I'm the one who's crying at the grave. There's not like some spooky ghost. It's me. Okay, teidun. You can know shalomachar. Who made the nishma? And he says lomachar means like in the future. It's literally tomorrow. It doesn't mean tomorrow. It means like in the future, his voice. Uh, he will die. Excuse me. Meaning I will die, and you'll and you won't. Hear his voice anymore? I mean, you're not going to hear me. I mean, the point is, you'll see when I die, there won't be any more voice, and you'll realize that it was uh, me crying the whole time. It's not. It's not the ghost. Okay. So Amr le Rabacha braid the Rabba le Rabashi. Rabacha, this my Rabba said to Rabashi. That's not such a clear answer. Why? The Duma Piusi Paise. Maybe the reason that the voice of this, uh, the voice will stop uh, when when Yudib Ben Tavai dies is because Yudib Ben Tavai will go to Olam Haba and he'll find this uh, dead guy and he'll say and he'll apologize to him and the guy will you know uh, accept upon accept the uh, apology and he'll stop screaming. Right? Maybe so then we don't know like it's because it was either been to buy the whole time. Kind of an interesting machlok here. Oh, Bedina to buy Tabi Or maybe when the Yudah Ben Tabai gets to Shemaim, this guy will bring Yudah Ben Tabai to Din in Shemaim. He'll judge him in Shemaim, and again he'll feel like he got his uh, he got his judgment, he got his justice, and he won't cry. So the point is, there's no real proof either way. We don't know who is crying. Anyway, the point is that's the brighter. And the question the Gemara wants to ask now, wants to ask now is money, uh, money, huh? So who would be the author of this brighter? Would it be um, Rabbi Meir and his understanding of Armachlok? Who the Abbatin is the Nasi is, which is that Yudah ben Tabai was Nasi and Shem Bashatah was the Abbatin, which is the secondary thing, or is a Chachamim's version, which is the reverse, the Shem Bashatah was Nasi. Gemara says, I am Rabbi Rabbi Meir. So it makes sense if this bright is going to Rabbi Meir. Why? The Amr Shem Bashatah Abbatin, because he said Shem Bashatah Abbatin and Rabbi ben Tabai Nasi. Why? That explains why you've been talking in the first place is being more halacha in front of Shimon Meshadah. Like normally you don't have students uh Paskin Shilas in front of other in front of people who are their rob or their superior. So this would make sense. Even Mitabai would be doing that. 
Okay. Eli Yamad Rabbanan, but if he says to Rabbanan, the Amr Yudah ben Tabai Abetish and Bashas Nasi, but if he says the reverse, so Abetish would be Nasi Mimora Halacha. Why would an Abetish ever be passing Halacha in front of a Nasi anyways? Doesn't make any sense. What does Yudah ben Tabai mean? I'm not going to pass in Shilas unless unless Shem Bashat is there. If he's Abetish, of course he shouldn't be doing that. Uh, so it doesn't make any sense at all. So this seems to follow Rabbi Meir. That's, that's what it seems to be. Okay? So Gemara says, ah, not so fast. Right? The Gemara often says, like, you know, the priest proofs don't always work all the way. Gemara says, lo, my kibbala love to Gamar. What does it mean that he accepted upon himself that he's not going to pass in Shiloh, accepted in front of Rabbi Shem Hashem Meshadach? It could still be that he's the Abbatian. Why? What he's referring to is the Tarufe. It means to combine with other opinions. The Afilu is Tarufe, not me, lo, Mistarifna. That even to combine with other opinions in the Beitin, or let's say in Paskin Geshila, like to weigh in on a particular issue, he's never going to vote against Shem Ben Shetach and those things. I think Rashi says, or he won't serve in the Beitin with anyone else other than Shem Ben Shetach because he's such a tremendous Sabin Chacham. Either way, the point is, he's not saying he's like Paskin Geshila himself. It could also mean that he won't get involved in a judgment either without Shimon Meshadach or against Shimon Meshadach. Okay, so inconclusive. Anyway, it's a little bit of a back and forth about that. And it throws in this really interesting story about the two of them, Shimon Meshadach and... Uh, just it's a quick side point. It's worth remembering that Shimon Beshetach is known in Shas for being a real stickler for the rules. He is a real stickler for the rules. There's other famous cases of Shimon Beshetach where you know he says, "This is what the rules say. This is what the Psach Halacha has to be, and you can't judge even if you know things to be differently. You have to follow the protocol." He's a real stickler that way, and it's a good example. Another good example, right? You, oh, you, you found this guy to be guilty, but it's only one of them, not two of them, and therefore that was an inappropriate judgment. So it's a good example there also. Okay, now back to the content. Remember, we were talking about the idea of smicha. Smicha is leaning on the animal. We said, generally speaking, leaning on an animal, making use of an animal on Shabbat or Yom Tov is prohibited midivrei uh, sofer. I mean, it's, a, it's an iser to Rabbanan to utilize the animal. So Gemara says as follows. Yatsa Menachem Nechaz Shammai. Menachem left and Shammai came in. The Gemara says, oh, okay, for this is, here's a quick uh, side point. So Lahechan Yatsa, where did Menachem go? Anybody ever hear of Menachem, the town of Menachem? I don't think you ever heard of him. I never heard of him. You know what I mean? Shammai, we all heard of, right? So he said, where did Menachem go? So, so the Gemara says, Abayamar Yatsa Tarbudra. He says he went to Darbura, just like Akher. He went off to, like, I don't know, some wicked behavior. To, who knows what? Ravamar Yatsa Labod of Hamelech. He went to go serve for the king. That he went off to work for the king, and then 80, 80 pairs of students went with him wearing silk robes. So the point is, sometimes you know you're a big Talmud Chacham, and then you go off to work for the government or whatever to get a real job in the real world, and they'll never hear from you again because you know you're not hanging out in the base marriage anymore, so you don't uh, you don't have the opportunity to uh, to weigh in. So it's interesting. I don't know, like Tarbut Ra versus Avodah Hamelach. Either way, he becomes sort of irrelevant in these discussions. Probably worth uh, you know uh, riffing off on that a little bit also. Okay, now the Gemara says as follows: Amar Rav Shemin Bar Abba Amar Rav Yochanan LaOlam Al Shvut Kala Beinecha. This is a great line. Rav Yochanan says. Shvut and Isra Durabana should never be light in your eyes. You should always take it seriously. Shahare smicha ain't elamishim shvut, because after all, smicha is really only an issue of shvut on Yom Tov. The Nechla Kuba, Gedole Hador, and you see all the Gedole Hador waiting, and I see Abetin, all these machlokas, five generations of machloka about this issue of smicha when it comes to the Korbanot. So the Gemara says, Pshita. That's a nice statement, Rabbi Yochanan, but it's super obvious. Shvut. Mitzvah, uh, so, sorry, so I mean, why is it obvious? 
Because, it's obvious because we have to follow Dinim Dirabanan. Who would ever suggest that we don't have to follow Dinim Dirabanan? So that's, that's a big Kiddush? Guys, you should know, you have to follow rabbinic law. We know that. We're following this rabbinic Judaism. These are Chazal talking. They've been up all these rabbinic laws. Of course you have to do that. So Gemara says, no. Shvut mitzvah is terichale. What's necessary to teach is the case of Shvut mitzvah, meaning Shvut in the case of a mitzvah, that's a Kiddush. Rashi says about halfway up the page, he says, Shvut mitzvah, nami tanina bematitin, omayash bin rabbi yochanan. Uh, so, uh, one second. Right, so it's true mitzvah what you need to be taught. So Gemara says, "Vahanami pshita." That's also obvious. Meaning, what? Since when do you think that you can violate a shvu just for a mitzvah? So Gemara says, "Lafuki miman da'amar b'smicha gufa pligi." This comes to exclude the opinion that says that they argue about smicha itself. Kamash malan b'shvu tu depligi. That what's teaching us here is that they're arguing about shvu. Let's see the Rashi here. Lafuki miman da'amar. Lafuki miman da'amar b'masecha beitza b'smicha atzma pligi. That they argue about the requirement for smicha. Uman asar, the one who said you're not supposed to do smich on Yom Tov, labishim shvut asar. He didn't say because of a shvut that we don't violate shvut on Yom Tov. Elamishim desvirle deshalme chova lo bau smicha. Maybe he, because there's an opinion that says that if you have a shlomim, that's an obligatory shlomim, it doesn't require smicha. Dechikata v'samach the whole pasuk v'samach yadodi you have to do smicha lean on the animal that's only with shlamim that's a nedava that's a donation of your own volition but not an obligation okay you don't learn out what we do in obligatory sacrifices from what we do in uh, voluntary sacrifices and v'kamash on Rabbi Yochanan the time of Mishim Shvutu v'smichatan olam mitzvah um, Yochanan's point when he says, don't take light things, you know, don't take shvut uh, lightly, what he's saying is, the, this issue of smicha is a non-issue from the perspective of is it a requirement. It certainly is a requirement. It's just a machlogan about whether or not we can do it in this particular context. But it's not that he's trying to say, oh, take Durabandan seriously. That, uh, that's obvious. He's trying to sort of exclude the possibility of someone saying, oh, the reason they said not to do smicha is because there's no requirement to do smicha. That he wants to. Okay, so that's the idea. Okay, now, Amar Ami Marchama, Ami Marchama says, Shma Mina, Smicha Bechol Kocho Be'inim. There's another issue here, is how do you perform Smicha? Smicha could be just sort of like gently laying your hands on the animal's head, or it could be like leaning on the animal's head, like putting your whole body into it. We often say with Bayechata, we often say that by, by the doing the leaning, it's a symbolic act, it's sort of like putting your whole self into it, if the idea is like you're transferring the sins from you to the animal, that's what the Chatat. But a similar thing could be said about the other, about the other form of, uh, smi- uh, of smicha, right? The Shlamim too. And the idea would be, um, do you do it gently or whole, whole force? So he says, you can learn from here, it has to be all force. Why? Why? Because if you would think that you don't require your whole force, my ka'avin. Uh, right, what would you, uh, what are you doing? At, uh, what are you doing? Lismoch, just lean on it. Meaning, if you're just like, gently putting your hands on top of an animal's head, that's not an issue to abundant. That wouldn't be an issue. The issue is when you lean, you're utilizing the animal to support your weight. That's the violation of the isser. So, uh, so it must be that smicha pachokoch. Okay, that's the suggestion. Kavar says, Meitavei, we ask Akasha from the following bright. It says as follows. The Pazuk says, Dabera b'nei Yisrael v'samach. Speak to b'nei Yisrael and he shall uh, do leaning. Okay, and have a, fam- a little bit of a famous bright here. B'nei Yisrael somchim v'en b'not Yisrael somchot. The idea is, um, that B'nai Yisrael do smicha, and B'nai Yisrael don't do smicha. I mean, Safka says B'nai Yisrael, the males, and not the females. Females don't have to do smicha. 
Okay, Rabbi Yossi the Rebbe should say uh, Shimon say Omrim Benot Yisrael Somchot Rishut that Benot Yisrael can do smicha Rishut. This is a good this is a good uh, uh, kickoff for a uh, sheer about what the role of women is in mitzvot that they're generally too wrote from. Can they do them anyways, and what's the role? So this is a good like uh, Gemara for that uh, at least to jump you know to jumpstart so good like that. It says they say that women can do it Rishut. So Amr Rabbiosi, Rabbiosi said, Sachli Abelazar, Abelazar, my, my father Abelazar said to me, Pam Achat Hayalanu Egel Shlamim. One time we had a calf of a Shlamim. Okay, we brought it over to the Israel Nashim. This sounds like Mamish, like modern Orthodox thing. We brought it to the Israel Nashim. And they had the women do the smicha. Not because normally smicha should be done by women. No, no, no. We don't hold like that. It's not, that's not how it works. But it's to basically make the women feel uh, appreciated. Essentially, so they can feel good. Meaning, you want to try to find a situation where you can allow women to participate. So maybe that we have to find the halachic way for women to participate. This is a reasonable way for women to participate. So bring that. We'll bring the eagle over there and have the women uh, lean on it. Now, now, remember, this is all akasha on the opinion that said smichus But if you would think, like you just suggested, that smichus with your whole body weight. What, because of, uh, just to make women feel a little bit better, to feel a little more appreciated, we're going to do avoda on kachim, meaning that the smicha is a form of avoda, and you're going to have avoda on kachim. Um, that the women are going to do that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. They're going to be able to uh, do that. It right? doesn't make sense. So Gemara says, Okay, so you can see from there that maybe we don't require Bechol Kocho. Therefore, the women who are doing it, they were just put, lightly put their hands on the thing, on the animal. And that's a good example of uh, of how they were doing this meal. So Gom says, no. We say, no. Really, they would do, you uh, require Bechol Kocho. And what we said to them, to the women is, like, put your hands gently, like, lightly on the animal's head. We told them, like, we called this Micha, right? So, uh, but he told the women, just gently put your hands on the, on the, uh, on the, on the head of the animal, but not like you're fully doing it, okay? Um, so we healthy, that's the case, says Gemara. Why did you say that's not because there's smicha for women? Meaning, if they're only putting their hands gently over the animal's head, so why would you say that when we brought the animals over there, it wasn't because women can actually do the halach of smicha? If, if we're saying, you knew, if a smicha is really the whole kocho, then, and the women are only doing a very light, like placing on the hands of an animal, guess what? They're not doing smicha. Right, they're not doing smicha at all. So that word, that phrase, is difficult. You should just say, well, it's not smicha. I mean, you should just say, we did it to whatever. And we don't say, not because it's, there's no smicha. If you say there's no smicha, it applies to what they were doing with smicha. But they weren't doing smicha. So it's not so simple. So I'm Rabbi Ami, Chad of Old Kamar. Rabbi Ami wants to defend up right and says, no, they're telling you one thing and another thing. First of all, women don't do smicha. That's number one. The ode, furthermore, and furthermore, they also want to do it uh, to do a nachav ruach for the women. So they allowed women to sort of participate in the bay, uh, you know, a way that wasn't exactly like doing the obligation, but nonetheless, it made them feel included in this brainless. Okay, so we sort of like uh, you know worked our way around it. We didn't really conclude conclusively one way or the other, but it, you know if we require b'cholkocho, but at least there's no kasha from that from that difference. Okay, um, a couple more lines. Amar Papa says we can learn from here that the size of the animal are aser, meaning it's, it's aser to uh, to utilize the size of an animal. and I think sudden here also is referring mostly even to the head, which is not like the back of the animal. Because if you think to say that size are mutter, if you're allowed to use the size 
sides of an animal on Yom Tov, then why don't you just do the smicha on the sides? Meaning, like, or on the head specifically. Right? And the idea is that it's not, if it's done, it's fine, so then do it that way. Rashi says, the last Rashi in the page, he says, the harosha behimakit sadinami, the head of the animal is like the tzadin. So what's the big, you know, what's the big discussion about this whole issue? If in fact, tzadin is mutter, so then why are we having a machlok if they do smich or not? So Gemara says, Alalam, Shema Minah, Tzadim Asurim. So we can learn from here that Tzadim must be Asur, and that's what we have in this whole machloket about Tzmicha. Uh, Ravashi, Amar, Ravashi disagrees. He says, no. Afilu Tema Tzadim Mutarim. Even if you want to say that Tzadim are Mutar in general, called the Bahadi Gava, Kegova Dami. Now anything that's the same uh, height as the back, where the animal really does uh, do the labor for the person, so that would be just like the back. So it's true, maybe Tzadim, the sides really are Mutar. You could like lean on the side of an animal or the leg of an animal or something like that. But if you want to use the head, the head is going to be like the back, so it's not that it's not a question of like again, sort of like you have to think of the different uh, permutations. Either it's that studim are 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 mutter and um, and the head is the excuse me studim are usser and uh, therefore the head is also usser, or you say studim mutarim, but the head's not considered to be studim. Either way, okay, we'll stop here. Think with the Mishnah tomorrow.